Good morning and welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. I am Josiah Kane and we are recording this on my birthday, which means this is the first time you've ever heard my voice when I was 27 years old. Congratulations, everyone else, <laughs> for doing that. Yeah. <clears throat> I got a couple people here with me. You, you want to make it to 28? Is that a threat? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I'm Isaac Kane. I'm sitting here as well, uh, loving to be a part of this. Yes, I'm Chuck Jones. He did not say he was happy to be a part of this. You <laughs> <laughs> remain neutral. I'm neutrally... I'm, 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 I'm unbiased towards this. I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's alright. So today we are starting a new series... something along the lines of biblical imagery. I'm not exactly sure what the title will be yet, but it's along those lines of looking at different symbols and imagery and common themes in scripture. Both literal and figurative. Yep, figurative and literal. And we're going to look at what they mean and, and the scope. Obviously, we're not going to be able to cover all of it. Now, there are lots of words <laughs> in the Bible, so we're not going to be able to cover yeah. every single example look at everything in its totality, but we are going to discuss. If we miss your favorite, let us know, and we'll see what we can do about it. How would they let us know? I think, if I had to guess, that they would write an email to Breakfast Theology, uh, and the email address is... It's breakfasttheology.gmail.com. <laughs> <at gmail. laughs> yeah, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, go ahead. Sorry, oh, go ahead. I was going to say also, uh, I think we should talk about what we had for breakfast. Oh, yes. Yep. I had a classic breakfast burrito this morning with bacon and hash browns. It was delicious. Some coffee, some water, and then colder water inside my water in the form of cubes. <laughs> yeah. It's actually not a cube. They're like... I don't know what they're. I don't know what the shape's called. Iceberg. It's an ice. Yeah. It's a ice. burglet. <laughs> I had avocado toast. They have some new items on the menu. And I want to try it. It actually was one of my favorites. That was really good. Uh, had some like really interesting seasonings on it, and avocado pieces and some tomatoes. Those. That was good. A little trivia for you. Uh, tiny pieces of iceberg are scientifically called bergy bits. I really appreciate that fact, actually. And then the even smaller pieces of bergy bits are called growlers. Growlers? Yep. Anyway, Chuck, what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> I had a breakfast sampler. Two eggs, hash browns, sausage, bacon, and ham and two pancakes. The two pancakes surprised me. They surprised you? I didn't know they were coming. <laughs> but I ate them anyway. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been surprised. Really? <laughs> you may find that surprising, but I've never been surprised. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been surprised by what I, at least not recently, by what I ordered at IHOP. Just because, oh, there was that time I was figured out I was able to order French fries. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. That surprised me. Yeah. And a milkshake. Milkshake and french fries. It's a good combo. <laughs> anyway, on to our topic for the day, unless you guys have any other interjections or snide remarks. One fun little question I was wanting to ask the audience. We were talking a lot about time travel as we were eating our meal. I thought about the question I wanted to ask you guys. If you guys could time travel back to biblical times and talk to or have a meal with one person apart from Jesus, who would it be and why? Eve. I feel like I could prefer a lot of <laughs> Don't Don't offer or don't take upon the fruit salad she offers you. That is, that's a no-no. <laughs> Big, don't listen to talking snakes. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So that was it. That's all I have. That's my answer. I would go talk to Eve. Would you have to learn Hebrew first? <laughs> that would be pretty unfortunate if you went back to tell that she had no idea what you were saying. They might not even, <laughs> I wonder what language it would have been. I mean, I guess the biblical authors would assume Hebrew. That reminds me of a story. The preacher Sunday was talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And he was pretty adamant that we don't know what that is. Well, one of his faithful church members listening to that sermon was intrigued by that. So much so that he had a dream. And in his dream he met Paul. And he said, Paul, what was, that you, what was it you were referring to when you said you had a thorn in the flesh? And Paul told them. Hot dog. So he went to the pastor and said, I know what th Paul's thorn in the flesh. Well, I asked him, and he told me what his thorn was. And the pastor said, what did he say? And he says, I don't know. I don't know Greek. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We should move on here. <coughs> yeah, we should. Today we're talking about fuego. Fuego. Fire. Fire. Fires. Heat. Peace. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Fire. Flames. Yes. We're talking about biblical images of flames. This symbol definitely communicates a lot of really awesome things in scripture. It's used in several different ways, I have found. Um, so hopefully this gives you guys some insight too. As you as you do your own Bible study and read through, maybe just take note of whenever you see something mentioning fire, because it, it appears in a lot of places. I think a good place to start uh, with this topic is looking at the very first mention of fire in scripture. At least this is to my knowledge. Uh, it's Genesis 8 6? Genesis 8 20, excuse me. Oh, I think it was one even sooner than that. Yeah. Genesis the 3 cherubim with the sword. Oh, you're right. Mm -hmm. The tree okay. of life. Yeah. Yeah, let's look at the first reference of fire in Scripture. And then yeah. we'll look at the second reference of fire <laughs> in Scripture. Sorry, I didn't mean. No, go for it. So in Genesis 3. You know, that's the fall narrative. Adam and Eve messed up, and so God was giving a curse on Adam and Eve and the snake. And in verse 24 of chapter 3, we read this. He drove out the man 
um, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim in a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And that's the first time we hear the word fire, or see the word fire is supposed flame. to be mentioned there. Or flame. Yeah. And all, the image all of hot. the fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In this case, used as a deterrent. Yeah. And, and protection. A judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. It's saying you have been denied access. Like you have been found unworthy of being in this place. Yeah. Now, if we think about it too, what power source is probably making that sword on fire? You know, it's God's power. You know, so this this is an example of God's power, I believe. Yeah. Protecting the tree of life. Mm-hmm. In the garden. I feel like we'll see fire as judgment in other areas as well. <laughs> you might be right on that. <laughs> but that's kind of the first example we get, which I think is kind of a fundamental thing that ties itself to all these other images we're going to see. Is mm-hmm. It represents God's power in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, so the second reference uh, to fire in Scripture um, is Genesis 8.20, where Noah gets off the ark after the flood and offers burnt offering to the, on the altar um, and it is in this case uh, the fire that turns these animals these dead animals into a pleasing aroma what does verse 21 say yeah and when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma the Lord said in his heart I will never again curse the ground because of man but the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done mm-hmm. so it seems to it definitely seems to please him Yep. Thank you, Noah. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate that. And as far as I'm aware, uh, was Noah instructed to make this sacrifice? I don't think he was. I think it was kind of an intuitive offering. Yeah, no. Yeah, he just he just did it on his own accord. Which is interesting. Yeah. That he chose to do this in this way. That he knew to do it. Yeah, that he knew to do it. Especially since it's like so much of this language is attaching itself back to the creation story again. Like there's a new creation and he's almost like a new Adam. Yeah. You know, he blesses them to be fruitful and multiply. There's like a restart. He's in the garden. He plants a vineyard just like how there's a garden of Eden. He's like making his own garden. He makes a sacrifice to God. We're supposed to be like, oh, this is a really good thing. Of course, he messes up not much longer after that. But Mm -hmm. you see that. And the fire there, rather than the fire being something that separates us from God in Genesis 3, it's something that is drawing us near to him. Right. The fire, I think, can symbolize both judgment and salvation. Mm. Kind of uh, of go hand in hand. The destruction of sin. And the destruct, like in judgment, that's what fire is used for. Yeah. But then also, it is what cleanses us. Yeah. In the, in both cases, sin is being taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, fire is very instrumental in the refining process. Yeah. I think we'll get to that too. Yeah, there's a lot of scriptures that, you know, line itself that way too, or talk about it that way. What do you have pulled up over there, Chuck? Well. Sodom and Gomorrah, 
the wicked cities. Yeah. And you know Nadab and Abihu? Yep, I do. I can't remember Aaron's other son's names. But I know those two. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's got a lot to do with fire. Yeah. They brought strange fire in. Yeah. Yeah, so Aaron's sons are... Got that in of, there. Oh, thank you. Oh, sorry. Oh, I got it. Yeah, so Aaron is set up as a priest, and then his sons are priests with him, mm -hmm. and they offer strange... They're told extremely specifically what to do. Yeah. And then they did something wrong. Seems with intent. Like, they, they were offering strange fire. And they were consumed. Or they were struck dead, rather. Struck dead, yeah. yeah. And uh, that was a very stark example. <laughs> yeah. I think it shows that you can't just mess around with God's power. Yeah. It's a, it's a dangerous thing. If Nothing to be fooled with. Yeah. By the way, it probably it implies that they were probably drunk when they did it. So after that, God's like, hey, new rule. Priests are not to be drunk in the temple. Hmm. Right after this story. So maybe they were... Yep. Not sober-minded. Which is interesting, too. Yeah, that's another good example. Uh, it's almost like they're describing power as a neutral thing that can either bring about bad or good, depending on who is using it and for what purpose and how it's handled. Mm -hmm. Which is also intuitive for if, you know, in survival, when you're using fire, you can bring a lot of disaster or it can be life-giving. You know, mm -hmm. they're attaching that here. Uh, we don't have to go to every scripture, but some other examples I find interesting are in the Exodus story. Moses approaches God on a burning bush, like as part of God's glory and power, um, and it's somehow not consuming the bush. Almost like God's power that might seem like it's bringing, might kill you if you approach it, can actually give you life as symbolized by this tree that's not being consumed by the fire. Um, the top of Mount Sinai in Exodus as well talks about how there's like, or even before that, there's a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire guiding the people. God's power and guidance mm -hmm. is described with the fire. Uh, in fact, uh, in that same uh, story, mm -hmm line in Deuteronomy 4.24 mm -hmm. after the idolatry um, yeah. God's anger and jealousy is actually described as a consuming fire kind of like this it shows his passion mm -hmm. you know like it was, it's the yeah. uh, maybe one of the closest real world examples we have of God's passion and power yeah like when you see a wildfire out of control mm. or like uh, I was actually in um, Canada at the Paras house and uh, a greenhouse caught on fire it was like five miles away I remember that but it like lit up the whole night and you could see it and like even even in the middle of the night the smoke was black like even darker than the night sky yeah and, it, and it's just like wow that's terrifying. There's a lot of power right there. I don't yeah. want to be near. Yeah. Yeah. The top of Mount Sinai also is like this cloud and fire and smoke. A very volcanic looking yeah. description. 
And God's like, hey, uh, Israel, come up and approach me. And they're all like, that's kind of scary. How about you do it, Moses? And yeah, they're like, okay, we don't, wanna, we don't want him to talk to us directly. Yeah, We don't you, want that. Yeah, because that looks really scary. I'm sure that hurt God's feelings, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's another, yet another kind of rejection yeah. from his people. I don't know if hurting God's feelings is the right way of saying it. It sounds kind of like childish. When you say that, but like, but I think there's, there's it was an, it, it, I think it offended him. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Malachi. Thank you. Three. Three. It says he will set as a refiner mm-hmm. and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, mm-hmm. that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. Talk about, what are we talking about? Yeah. So we talk about judgment and salvation yeah. and refining mm-hmm. to make us better. Yeah. I think this is one of the first scriptures we see that start giving this other image of fire. As a, as a purifying thing as well. So far, it's either like his power or his judgment, but this is also talking about how it's got a purifying element to it. Yeah. Is fire bad? I think fire is neutral. It's not bad or good, I don't think. I think it kind of becomes the character of the user of the fire. You know, like if it's someone good using it, it's a good thing. Someone bad uses it, it's a bad thing. You know. What do you think? Yes and no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want fire in your house? <laughs> it's it, in a fireplace. If, you, if it's cold outside. <laughs> if it's in the fireplace, the place for the fire. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Otherwise, no. <laughs> I do not. Don't store it in your attic. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yes, good wisdom. By the way, that Malachi 3 passage, I was looking up too and I really like because, you know, God's talk about in verse 2 that he's a refiner's fire. And that refiner's fire in verse 3 purifies the sons of Levi to bring acts of righteousness. And then we see in verse 5, he also says, then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift witness against the sorcerers, the adulterers, those who swear falsely, those who oppress, and all these things. So it's like that same power of God is one of two things, depending on whose side you're on, basically. If you're, if you're with God, that's a, re- that's a empowering and purifying and transformative power. If you're against God, that's poor bad news. You know, it, it's something to be definitely afraid of. Yep. Which is really significant. And it's cool. I think when we're looking at God's fire, which is what my name means, actually. Yoshiahu is the Lord burns, or the, the Lord's fire. Really? Josiah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's actually really yeah. cool. Which is ironic because uh, my hair is orange. And uh, in, when I was in Africa, everybody called me Moto, which just means fire, because my hair was orange. Which, so. again, is another really cool nickname. <laughs> yeah, it is really cool. Uh, but 
I, I think God's fire is a lot like salvation, where it's a good thing or a bad thing depending on what side you're on. Oh, yeah. So, if or or it's a lot like it's a lot like being in a criminal situation. So let's say you have had someone commit a crime against you and the judge says that person is guilty mm. to them that is condemnation yeah. but to you it's justice yeah and, and life giving to a degree yeah and I think God's consuming fire is the same way mm. like you were saying what side are you on yeah with that if you're on God's side it's a good thing that he's so passionate and justice and, power, and powerful yeah but if you're trying to get away with all your bad things then all of a sudden God's justice is judgment yeah yeah and scary judgment with a negative flavor it's like pistachio ice cream looks some people (laughs) like it some people hate it (laughs) there's the phrase of the day for you guys God's judgment is like pistachio ice cream You know, I was about to say, if you're against God, then the fire is scary. But I think I actually take that back. I think it's kind of scary-ish, no matter what. Yeah. You know, but I guess for different reasons. Right. You know, because it's intense. It's intense either way. That's the way to say it. It's intense either way. God's power is intense. Well, I like it. like what the writer of Hebrews said. I don't, didn't he say God was a consuming, our God is a consuming fire? Yeah, yeah. Quoting after that Deuteronomy passage. Yeah. And uh, also he said it's a ter- fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Yeah. Especially if you're not prepared. Yeah. yeah. Since he's like quoting from Deuteronomy, it makes me think how he's attaching this with you know, the Exodus story there. It's terrifying to fall into the hands of a living God. I think that's part of the reason they made the golden calf is because... It's not dangerous. It's not dangerous. That's <laughs> a God they can control. Yeah. You know, like, oh, we understand this God. It, it, it does what we want it to. The living God, we can't control. He's going to call this guy to go up there. It's been 40 days. Like, what's he doing up there? He, he calls us out into this wilderness. Like, this guy's uncontrollable and it's scary. I want my own controlled knowing God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. God is nothing to be trifled with. Yeah. I think Hebrews also says that uh, we can become enemies of God. Which is just sounds like a terrifying option. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a foolish foe to choose. <laughs> For yourself, and that's why it is fearful. To, and, and that's why we should fear the Lord and respect His power. You're yeah. not gonna in position. You're not gonna be able to fight your way out. You're not gonna be able to argue your way out. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have to just take it. Mm. Uh, you know, Jesus' words, don't fear a man who can just kill the body but not the soul. <laughs> yeah. Fear God who can both destroy your body and soul and in hell. In hell. Yeah. Which is leads to another aspect of um, 
oftentimes hell is ambiguous, but it's actually usually Gehenna. Yeah. Which is a burning trash pit outside of Jerusalem. Yeah. Which is this this imagery of um, what the end days are going to be like. So, um, I think it's Jude that uh, talks about how our judgment is going to be like that of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And we look at that and we say, how were they destroyed? Yes, it was with fire and brimstone. But it was also complete. And like if you look now, Sodom and Gomorrah still are burning, you know? Yeah, yeah. They were consumed. And after they were consumed, it was done. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how the trash pit Gehenna worked too. You threw your trash in there and it was consumed and it was done. And now that there's no more trash to burn, it's gone. Yeah. So hell is going to be that way too. Where it will consume the wicked and the evil and those who have not been saved. Yeah. But I think that's an important distinction to make. It's not where we are eternal and God is just going to light us on fire and watch us burn like some kind of maniacal kid with a magnifying glass on insects. <laughs> yeah. He's going to destroy us. Yeah. Which obviously still isn't pleasant, but God is not a God of like There's continuous almost a form torture. Of mercy in that church. Yeah. The punishment of sin is death. Yeah. Not terrible existence. Yeah. We were talking earlier about the refining fire and that like refinery and forgery image. First uh, Corinthians three, I think, adds to that pretty cool in a pretty cool way. First Corinthians three thirteen. He's talking about the work of the saints. He says, "Well, let's start in verse twelve. Okay, yeah, we'll start in verse twelve. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw." Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. That's like the, the last day, the final day. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Now you think about like, if you're like forging, and you're trying to purify the metal, you get it really hot from the fire and it shows the impurities that are in it. And the, you can reach right in there and pull them out. Yeah, the yeah. dross, the dross, the, uh, the oxidized metals, the other contaminants, they rise to the surface. Mm-hmm. And that's how you purify metals. Yeah. And I think God's power and justice works the same way. And in this particular case, it's talking about what are you doing to contribute to God's work? Yeah. Is the, the work you're doing work built out of precious metals or stone? Or is what you're doing now in this age to work for the kingdom wood, hay, or straw? Because mm. everything's going to be tested by fire in the end times. Yeah. Yeah, three of those things are not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fireproof. Yeah. If you set a clump of gold and a, and a pile of hay next to each other and you put a torch to them both for a couple seconds, guess what? <laughs> yeah. Gold stands, the hay the, does not. Yeah, the gold stands, the hay does not. I think that uh, ties itself well with Jesus' words when, you know, some will say, Lord, when do we feed and clothe you? And he's like, when you did to the least of these, you did it to me. Um, versus the, the goats will be like, do we not prophesy in your name? Do we not pray in your name? And you'll say, like, I never knew you. These might be these people that are 
look a lot like Christians, but still had these own like selfish or rebellious in their heart ways from God. And their works are more like the, the wood and hay and straw. Well, the really interesting thing is, is that even the people who build with wood, hay, and straw are also going to be allowed into the kingdom. Mm. So verse Maybe 14, right. yeah. Yeah. if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but mm. yet will be okay. saved, even though only one has escaped through the flames. So it's a very interesting example that Paul is using here. That's true. I, I guess I take back what I said. It doesn't quite fit with this with this passage here. Um, but I think what yeah. what Paul is saying is what kind of what goes on to talk about God's temple being built up. Yeah. And he goes on to say, what kind of living stone are you? Are you one that's going to help stand in all of this? Are you one that's going to essentially be useless and cast aside? And so he's asking us, what kind of Christian are you? Mm -hmm. yeah. Pretend, yep. make believe, shallow, weak. Are you a professing Christian or a practicing Christian? Professing or performing? Yeah. Or are you doing it? Yeah. How boring would it be to go to a circus and they just verbally describe all the acts? Okay. <laughs> Rather than actually did it. It would be a big lion and he'd be growling, showing his teeth. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we didn't we didn't talk about it yet, but I think even things like in scripture when it talks about scorching heat, normally it talks about like the sun rays or something. I think that can still attach itself to this kind of field of fire. If you look at those scriptures, like in First Peter or, or in James, chapter one, there's this idea that I've been really attaching myself to that uh, trial, like fire, can sometimes be seen as like trial and hardships in this life too, and they just happen to all people. Like that's just part of life right now. Yeah. And if you're with God, God can use that scorching heat as a refiner and purifier to help you grow. If you don't have God with you, then that scorching heat just acts as something that kills and destroys, you know, which is, I think, also really profound. You know, like bad things are going to happen to us, whether you're Christian or not. But if you rely on God in those difficult or hard moments, they can be a thing that helps you grow and become strong. Is it a forge or is it a forest fire? Yeah. You know, you your reliance on God changes that equation. Mm -hmm. Are you purified yeah. and strengthened through the process or are you consumed through yeah. the process yeah. are you the metal or the coal yeah yeah that's that's a good way to say it that's a good way to say it mm. are you the metal being worked or are you the coal being consumed yeah yeah and then another example i really like we just finished this james series james 3 says the fire uh, that the tongue is also a fire mm -hmm. a world of evil among the parts of the body it corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Mm. So it's an intense image. This place of sin and death comes from within us out of our mouths and we become like dragons that spread the fire in our lives and yeah. consume all the things that we love. In this case, spitting fire is a bad thing. If you're a rapper, <laughs> spitting fire is a good thing. But 
in this case. Or if you're a World War II era plane, being a Spitfire is a good thing. It's a, the name of a plane from I see. the era. I see. <laughs> but in this case, it's not. It's not a good thing. In this case, it's not a good thing. But I think, just a comment about what you said, yeah. if we have God, yeah. I think it's more that we're with God. Yeah. He's not something that I can have. Yes. Like a cross necklace mm -hmm. or a cross ring mm -hmm. or an ink pen with a cross on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. God has us. That's right. Yeah. Any uh, other examples or verses you guys want to bring up? If not, we could start winding down here. Yeah. I, there are so many that we didn't cover. Fire is everywhere in the Bible. Yeah. But I guess just my closing thoughts. So Revelation 20. Also talk about the lake of fire, just kind of like the ultimate pinnacle of God's power and justice and refining of creation all happening at the same time. You know, he's refining creation, bringing out the impurities, just getting rid of them and having a new and transformed heaven and earth. Mm. Um, that's kind of like the pinnacle ultimate image where all this fire imagery, I think, comes yeah, to it. Yeah, it accumulates climax. in final judgment and yeah. final cleansing. Yeah. That is then, the result of that is a rebuilt perfect world. And the new heaven and new earth and new Jerusalem only come after that lake of fire did its thing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like the uh, the forest fire that lays a new foundation for a, a new forest. Yeah. Gets rid of all the poison ivy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys come and join us next week for another a biblical imagery topic that we will uh, figure out next week. <laughs> <laughs> or two weeks from now, I suppose. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time. Yes. Goodbye. See you next time. <laughs>